for me, it was all about, it doesn't matter what religion you are. I'm not going to do this just because to satisfy people. If he wants to convert, he can convert, but he has to do it for him. He cannot do it for me. He cannot do it for a woman, for a marriage. That's just, that's just fake. We had a civil ceremony where people had a huge problem with, and especially my dad's side of the family. And when they found out years later, which they did a few years later, they were just so disgusted to this day. They just kind of looked down on me and, oh, I am just, I have this responsibility of taking these people to heaven (laughs) and I am throwing away that chance. So I'm going to go to hell and these people are going to go to hell because of me. It's just so crazy. Like, it's just really like, and my mom is super religious, but she's not like that at all. She is extremely open and like, as long as you guys are happy, that's all that matters. But in the beginning, it was very hard. You're listening to the MILF Podcast. This is the show where we talk about motherhood and sexuality with amazing women with fascinating stories to share on the joys of being a MILF. Now here's your host, the milfiest MILF I know, Jennifer Tracy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is MILF Podcast, the show where we talk about motherhood, entrepreneurship, sexuality, and everything in between. I'm Jennifer Tracy, your host. Welcome back, guys. So excited for today's episode. Today I have on the show my guest, Terry Fry. Terry is the podcast host of Mom Like That podcast. And during our interview for my show, I learned that I was her first guest on her podcast. I didn't know that. Um, So I went back and looked just now and my episode dropped November 12th, 2018. And I think it's episode eight of her or it is episode eight of Mom Like That podcast. If you wanted to check it out, we do talk about a lot of really intimate stuff. (laughs) I I admitted that I masturbated a lot while I was pregnant, which is 100% true. I was really horny when I was pregnant. Maybe not the first trimester, but the second two for sure. I mean, and I remember my husband and I were having sex up until, you know, (laughs) up until my water broke, just kidding. But really, up until the end, it was it was it was very interesting. That's going to be today's guest. But before that, I wanted to talk about a couple things. Today's give or this month's give is uh, Glisten. Glisten is an organization that champions LGBTQ issues in schools, kindergarten through twelfth, and they've been around since nineteen ninety. <clears throat> this is something that's really close to my heart, especially because so many kids now are coming out as transgender, as gay, as queer at a young age, you know, and they need support. They really need support and their peers need support. The kids that don't know what that is, the kids that, you know, because when we're ignorant of something that the first thing that we do as humans is go to fear. And what fear does is it puts up a wall and it puts up a block and then that can lead, that's what leads to bullying and that's what leads to exclusion. And it's really dangerous. It's really, really dangerous. So this amazing organization, Glisten, their website is on the show notes for today and on my giving page on milfpodcast.com. But their website is glsen.org. So many amazing ways to get involved with them. They have chapters all over the country. You know, if you do have a child who is identifying as transgender or, you know, different sexual orientation, 
different gender identity, that they, they can help you as the parent and they can help your kids. And they can also, their whole goal is to work with the schools to help the schools get educated. So um, to help the administration get educated so that they can pass that on to the children. This is such, such an important, important, important topic right now. And it's really, really close to my heart. So I wanted to share that with you guys. Yeah. And this is October is LGBTQ History Month. Tomorrow is National Coming Out Day, October 11th. And I know we have AIDS Walk LA here on October 20th and a lot of other amazing events here. If you're in the United States or Canada or the UK, that's when we celebrate um, LGBTQ plus History Month. You know, get involved. We're all here to love and support each other, is what I believe. And um, that can only happen when we get educated about everybody's differences. So that's it. Learn more on my on my website or at glisten.com. And today's sponsor is Clutch Gifts. Clutch Gifts is a curated gift company. They make these beautiful, beautiful gift boxes and they ship them right to your, your giftee. <laughs> your recipient. And they're all curated around these beautiful sommelier um, tested wines, like small, small produce wines. And um, I'm using the wrong word. I'm using the wrong word because I lost my text. It was on my website and I lost it. Anyway, this company, Clutch Gifts, is amazing. It's run by these two women that I just adore, Molly and Tracy. Um, and they have a little boy together. And um, that's how I know them because our kids were in school together. And they are truly talented at this. Like if you want to wow somebody with a really special gift that they're not going to get from anyone else, go to clutchgifts.com because they they do pick these amazing wines. I don't know anything about wine because I don't drink, but they do. And so, you know, when I have someone that's a wine drinker, I'm like, what do I, what do I get? What do I get them? And they automatically know. Well, do they like rosé? Do they like red? Do they like white? And then they pair them with these beautiful little things. Uh, trinkets isn't the right word because that makes it sound kitschy, but like a beautiful candle, a beautiful box of matches, a beautiful book, a beautiful journal, beautiful pens, um, little board games. Really cool and really, 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 um, I hate this word, but I'm going to use it because it's accurate for this. It's They are bespoke gift boxes. And because you're a MILF listener, you get 15% off if you go to, to Clutch Gifts and you put the things in your shopping cart when you get to the checkout. If you put in the code MILF15, you get 15% off. So yay, everybody wins. Um, all right, without further ado, here is my interview with Terry Fry. And I love that her last name is Fry because, and it's spelled F-R-Y, my favorite food Honestly, like if I had to answer the question, favorite junk food, it's French fries. Like now I'm going to, I'm going to clarify that because I don't do soggy fries and I don't do those really thick potato fries that where you bite into them and it's like just potato in the middle. Like that's okay. I mean, I'll, I'll make that work if in a pinch, but like real authentic, perfectly crisp, perfectly hot, perfectly salted French fries. I'll be yours forever. Do you add a steak to that or like the perfect burger? Oh, 
Yeah, I'm just having a little daydream about it right now, even though it's 9 a.m. All right, here's my interview with Terry, you guys. Hi, Terry. Hi, Jen. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's going so good. I'm so happy to see your beautiful face. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so happy to see yours. I'm so excited to be on. Thank you. It's just so great. And and I was on, for our listeners, I was on Terry's show, Mom Like That, which is another amazing podcast where Terry interviews moms. And we had so much fun. And yeah, yeah, I revealed things that I wasn't sure. I mean, I was really chatty. (laughs) You really got me I loved it. I loved it. You know, you were my first official guest on the podcast before that I'd recorded a podcast, but friends and because I had just started when you and I recorded. That's right. So you were my first official guest. Oh, I was. I'm so honored. Yes. It was so great. It was a great conversation. It was. It really was. We had such a good time. We just dove right in. We did. I loved it. We talked (laughs) about farts at some point. We did. Yes. (laughs) We did. We talked about masturbating. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, We did. I loved how you just said that. Masturbating. (laughs) <laughs> you know what people say that to me all the time I, the way I pronounce my vowels it's like I accentuate them a lot I love it's it. also because I was born in Pakistan right okay. and I lived there for 10 years and then I lived in Texas for another six to seven years oh wow and then well, how I old were you okay so 10 and then okay yeah and that's then a 16 big... yeah oh, nine or 10 is when I moved to Texas and then at 16 I moved to Canada. So I have this like mishmash, <laughs> mishmash of accents. accents. Yeah. I love it. And then in, in Pakistan, I went to a British school where oh some gosh. of my teachers had a British accent because they were not all local of teachers. Course. Of course. Yeah. So it's a mishmash of everything. I and mean, people like, I love your accent. Where is it from? I'm like, well, Everywhere. let me tell you. <laughs> it's international. It's an international accent. Oh oh, it's a God. world accent. <laughs> it is. It's yeah. so good. It's so good. Okay, so well, let's start. Let's start there. So you were born in Pakistan mm-hmm. and lived there for ten years, and then moved to Texas. I mean, that must have been a, quite a culture shock at that time, because wh- that was in the eighties. No, the early nineties. Uh, no, two thousand. Oh my god, you're such a baby. No, you're wait, no, it is nineties. Nineties. You're right. Oh my god, you're yeah. so young. 90s. I forget that you're so much younger than I am. <laughs> Okay. That's all right. Yeah. So mid nineties. That's where that, it would be. Well, okay. So even so, like just like with world history, which I'm not the best at, but I'm mm-hmm. thinking that must have been um what was that like as a kid? You know what? It wasn't that hard as a kid, okay. especially for me being just such a social person. Right. I was always ready to kind of dive into <clears throat> any social situation. And um I think the biggest cultural shock was just how how quiet everything was really interesting and, in what you know it's just there's not enough people there's just not enough hype in the city like i i moved to houston or sugarland to be exact okay sugarland texas and it was just very quiet and uh so my parents really tried to keep me sheltered too because they were afraid i was going to get corrupted by the western world so sure. you know i had limitations in terms of who I can hang out with and who I can be friends with and where I can go to begin with. So right. it I don't remember it being difficult, uh, making friends or adjusting in yeah. the culture. It was just more very different. And were people like, I mean, I'm just assuming that like 
kids were mean because they are. No. Because, okay, that's great. I yeah. love that. Yeah, they were not mean. I made some friends very quickly and uh, everybody was super nice. I think, for, okay, so for my teachers, the biggest shock was that how fluent I was in English to begin with. <laughs> like, you are so fluent. I'm like, well, yeah, well, you yeah. know, I've learned yeah. English all my life. Yeah. And she's like, you're better at English than other students in our classes. And I'm like, well, you know, I've learned this all my life just because yeah. I live there doesn't mean I haven't. So I think that was a shock. And I was such a nerd. So I think people liked me because they would come to me to give like give them all mm. the answers and stuff. So yeah. <laughs> here's a brown chick. She must know it all. And then <laughs> you know, that yeah. was funny. Well, there there that's what I was kind of getting after, like the just, you know, the innate sort of I guess it's just racism, you know, that kind of like, you know what I mean? It's um and me being, you know, super white came from a super white um, suburb of Denver where it was. And again, like it was like we had, you know, kids from other we didn't have kids from other countries in our school, I don't think. But we had, you know, kids of color in our school. And but it was this rare thing. And it was just so white. And I and now as I'm as I'm 44 and living in L.A. and raising my own kid and and realizing how much the implicit bias is just there and there's no, you know. So I always find it interesting when I have, you know, a woman of color on my show, especially who moved from another country, just to find out what your experience was like as a child. And, and that's interesting because I had another guest on who said it was just horrible. She moved from Iran when she was mm. 10. She was bullied terribly and... You know, but I, that was also a different time. She's a little older than you. It was the 80s, but still. Mm. Anyway, I just think that's yeah. interesting and something worth talking about because obviously that still happens. And, um, you know, and I want to get into a little bit about um, later, but that yeah. you're in a um, you're in a multiracial marriage. I am multiracial. We both come from different religions. We haven't converted to either or. Um, our kids are being raised just kind of, you know, like just neutral. Yeah. yeah. So it's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you meet him? I met him at a bar. Mm -hmm. uh, he used to manage this bar the time I met him. I think I was about 20, 21. And uh, I had gone in. I yeah, mean, in uh, Toronto. Yeah. 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 And I had gone in for some drinks with my girlfriend. And he was one of the, he was the general manager there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, he's so hot. Cause he was this, like, he had so much authority and he's like putting this table in their place cause they were being dicks. And, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh my God, he's so hot. And, you know, he, he thought the same too. And we actually mm. both came out of longer relationships and we were both rebounding with each other. So then oh. Ted was never to be serious. We were just hooking up. That was the pure intent. And then it turned into something serious. Wow. And yeah. you were young. How old were you? I was 20, I was 21 basically when I met him and wow. he was 27. Okay. So I was entering my full on party stage. He was exiting it, <laughs> but he was really accommodating in the first couple of years. We, we were on and off a lot. So, you know, it wasn't that serious in the sense that, I mean, I was hooking up with other people. He says he wasn't. I tell him I wasn't either, but he's like, I know you were. <laughs> I know you were. <laughs> Recently, I blurted this out to one of his friends when I was drunk. I'm like, yeah, I used to hook up with other people when you know we were on and off. Like, totally offered this information. It was not requested. And then he, like, talked to me about it. 
two days later, he's like, you said that to him. You remember? I said, listen, I cannot take ownership of anything I did when I was drunk. You need to talk (laughs) to drunk me. (laughs) Sober me says that's a lie. Oh, my God. But he's 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 good about it. Yeah. 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 Water under the bridge. Yeah. So when you guys decided to get serious and introduced each other to your families. Now, where is he from? He's Canadian? He's, he's Canadian. He's German okay. Scottish. He's half okay. German, half Scottish from okay. his background. Okay. So he's as Canadian as they can be. I love it. And and his yeah. religion, just because you mentioned that. Yeah. Is... He's Catholic. He's been okay. raised Catholic, but he is not a practicing Catholic. Got it. Yeah. Got his it. idea. And, of... and you are, what is your? I'm Muslim. Okay. Raised Muslim, not a practicing Muslim. Mm-hmm. So we're both not practicing, but we do tend to celebrate the holidays with the families. And are your families, like, how was that taken when your families were, because, were, you know, in, the, in all the romantic comedy movies, you see that where it's like, oh, they can't be together because the families yeah. won't accept them, you know? Yeah. But. You know what? From his end, there was no problem. Mm. His family's very open. They didn't care. Mm. I mean, and he met me more as an adult right. than I, I met him. I was still a child, really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so my my family was more kind of controlling in the sense of who you can or can date. With yeah. him, you're an adult. Make yeah. your own decisions. They didn't yes. care. My family knew I wouldn't go for someone who's brown just because I hadn't dated people who were brown before either. Mm-hmm. So they knew this was kind of coming. But when it did come time to it, there was a lot of conflict almost. I mean, even mm. though my mom and dad accepted him, mm. it was more like you should try and convince him to convert. You can mm. get married religiously if he's not a Muslim. So in Islam, a woman can marry a Muslim man. She doesn't have to be Muslim. However, a man who's non-Muslim cannot marry a Muslim without converting mm. uh, because it's the man who carries the lineage. So that he has to carry the Muslim lineage. Okay. So we actually did not have a religious ceremony. We had a civil cere- ceremony. For me, it was all about, it doesn't matter what religion you are. Mm. I'm not going to do this just because to satisfy people. Yeah. You know, if he wants to convert, he can convert, but he has to do it for him. He doesn't have, he cannot do it for me. He cannot do it for a woman, for a marriage. That's just, that's just fake. We had a civil ceremony where people had a huge problem with, and especially my dad's side of the family. And when they found out years later, which they did a few years later, they were just so disgusted to this day. They just kind of looked down on me. And oh, I am just, I have this responsibility of, taking these people to heaven (laughs) and I am throwing away that chance. So I'm going to go to hell and these people are going to go to hell because of me. It's just so crazy. Like it's just really like, and my mom is super religious, but she's not like that at all. She is extremely open and you know, we, we drink, we smoke and she doesn't care. She's like, as long as you guys are happy, that's all that matters. Yeah. But in the beginning it was very hard to kind of get into all of this. I, I, my first serious boyfriend, who was also white, one of my uncles was almost like my legal garden. Uh-huh. And when he found out I was seeing that guy, he actually gave me a choice. He's like, it's got to be him or me. Because if it's him, I won't pay for your school. Wow. And I said, then that's great. It won't be you because this is not unconditional love. If you love me unconditionally, you wouldn't make me pick. Yeah. So I'm not picking you or him. I'm just not picking your options. And yeah. it's up to you what you want to do. We haven't really talked since that relationship's wow. gone. Wow. Yeah. Now, why was he your legal guardian? 
Uh, just my dad was not around. Got often. it. Your dad wasn't around. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he is now. He's in your yeah, life. Yeah, my now. dad's totally in my life. And okay, got it. He's he's just so super chill about everything too. Got like, it. I'm so you have the support of your immediate family for sure. I'm and but back at that time uh, with the wedding, especially there was just a lot of wow. chaos because yeah. they didn't want an open bar. They didn't want all this drinking. They didn't sure. want my dress to be so boobalicious, which <laughs> <laughs> you know, like these were well, the concerns. I will say for our listeners who. We'll get, we'll follow, you guys will follow her. You will see that her body is dope. Okay. <laughs> you, you have, you have boobalicious boobs. Yeah. There's yeah, no denying great. it. I mean, they're going to be boobalicious no matter what you wear. Yeah. So, but I it love, is, yeah. Yeah. I love flaunting them too. Absolutely. Yeah, As not? you should. This Absolutely. is the MILF podcast, baby. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and kissing was a huge. Okay. So it's a very big faux pas in our culture. You don't kiss. You don't show intimacy in a relationship in public because that's supposed to be for your bedroom. So there was this whole thing about you guys cannot have a kiss at the wedding. And we did anyway. And my at family the was wedding. Yes. And my family was pissed. Like my, one of my sisters left early because she's like, this is crazy. My other sister doesn't care. She was there with her white boyfriend too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So like most of my family is really chill and cool about everything. We all kind of drink and smoke and we all like to indulge in parties. We're very non-practicing Muslims. Yeah. But you know, that portion from my mom and dad and one of my sisters was really hard that you guys shared a kiss. I'm like, it's a goddamn kiss. Interesting. That's so interesting. Yeah. Well, I think just to weigh in, I mean, this is so different, but I do feel like weddings in any culture, like they're, they're never about the bride and groom. (laughs) Like It always ends up being about everyone else. People make it about them. And I was just having this conversation with another guest about a wedding. She's, um, or about weddings. She is about to have a, her second child and she and her partner are not married and they haven't decided whether they're going to get married. And, and, um, she said, but you know, my idea now that I have children of, Oh, I'm getting a FaceTime that I'm going to decline. Okay. Sorry about that. No um, she said, my idea now about what I want as a wedding is so much different than what before kids, you know, as everything is different before you have kids, your idea of it. She's like, I don't want the big wedding. I want like just a small thing. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Because I mean, I remember my wedding, like everybody around me made it about them. Yeah. They always do. Like, and my husband's family made it like his dad didn't come because he wanted to know where he was going to sit. And I mean, that's a whole other long story. Yeah. So you guys get married, you share a kiss on the wedding day, your family freaks out about it. And then, and then what happens? How long after that did you guys decide you wanted to have kids? We wanted kids right away. Oh. Yeah. Um, I felt that I was going for a big corporate job. I had a job lined up. And, and what I do knew, you do? We, I skipped that part. So me, I'm a me. consultant um, by my day job. I'm a, I work with a lot of I work with a digital and data mark, a data analytics company. So I'm immersed in data analytics and consulting with companies on to strategies to grow their business forward. Mm-hmm. So I'm part of a really big network in that sense. So not doing not doing it on my own. It's part of a big company. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time I was studying to be get my CPA. Mm-hmm. And I had a job lined up at one of the big four accounting firms. And then I we decided while I was still in school. 
let's have a baby now because I knew once I got in my career, I'm putting that on hold for a while because that was always really important to me. Yeah. So we decided to have... we Having kids was always important to you. And my career. Oh, and your career. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew if I started my job, I'm putting my my having kids on the back burner for a while. Yeah. So that was something I was aware of. And we decided to get pregnant right right away. I was pregnant through my last year of school. Um, and then we had our baby. And then I was going to start my new job in four months. And then I said, I, I'm not going to go back there because I won't have a life. I mm-hmm. won't see my kid at four months. I'd be, you know, as an audit associate, you don't have your own time. You're mm-hmm. working till 10 p.m. You're working uh. on weekends for the tax season. Uh. It's not a life you want with a kid. Yeah. And I decided, okay, I'm just going to pursue something else. And something else came through. And I started working in the not-for-profit sector, working with fundraising agency, as a, from a, with a fundraising agency, working with charities. So we decided to have the first kid right away. And um, our second kid was about, they're two and a half years apart. So we waited another few years while I was settled in my job before we had our second kid. I mean, sometimes I wish I had gone back and gotten my CPA, but everything has turned out really well. You know, I like what I do. So that was the right choice. To not pursue it was the right choice. Yeah. And I'm glad we had the baby when we did because there's always this, you're always torn. You know, sometimes I wonder, did I have my baby too soon at age 26, 27? Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, if I wait, is that too late? You sure. know, so yeah. there, there's, you, you're never going to be satisfied. It's never going to be perfect. Know. Yeah. It won't be. And it was the right time. Yes. For the way things unfolded. You know, we had our second child three years later. They're two and a half years apart. Mm. But it's, it's good in that sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's well, a mindset shift too. I mean, for the longest time, I did beat myself down watching my peers kind of get ahead on the la- ladder mm. because. For me in Canada, it's not that you're off for three weeks. I had a whole year off of maternity leave. Mm. So I'm out from work and that's like almost starting your job all over again. So you have to learn the ropes again. And, you know, whether people want to admit it or not, at least in my case, I found that taking two years of maternity leave did slow my career down from where I would like to be. And that was something I had to come to terms with and I had to stop beating myself down for it. Like, this is what I've got. I've got to work with this and I can still succeed because career is really important to me. I'm super ambitious. I have so many goals and my husband's really supportive because he is not career or- oriented. He just wants a job. He's like, I just want to come home and not think about work. Yeah. So, you know, it's yeah. a good balance that because I can focus on it. We're both not really heavy f- career focused. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well, when you bring up something interesting, well, first of all, let's go back to the year of maternity leave in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Cause we don't have that here. We yeah. have like, Oh, you can go back to work tomorrow. Um, here's your episiotomy pad in case you leak. Um, <laughs> so, so does the government pay for yeah. your one? Oh so, my Okay. God. So the way That's it works so is at least for Ontario, because I'm in the province of Ontario, okay. you get 55% of your salary. That's amazing. Up until 30, 49,500. Okay. So whichever you hit, basically the cap is at that. So the cap is almost at 50K. Now they have extended the period of maternity leave. So your job is secure for a whole 18 months. And you can also split that time between your husband, that both the husband and wife. 
Oh, that's fair. That's yeah. nice. Because yeah. yeah, it isn't always the mom that stays home. It's, no. Yeah. And you know what? The the good thing about that is I hear We're so same many sex times, parents, you know. Yeah. Exactly. They yeah. can share it. I've heard so many people tell me that having their husband stay at home with them for the first couple of months when they've had the baby was so helpful because it both like you need the help. Oh my God. I would probably still be married if my husband had been able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, serious. Like that was, that was, that was our undoing was him. He had to go to work immediately. He went to the work. He went back to work two days after our son was born and never stopped. It's just hard. It's It's really hard. Yeah. And And it's hard on him. And it's hard on both of you. Yes. Right. Like it's, it's hard different ways. And, you know, I mean, we generally end up taking the full year of maternity leave. Like women yeah. take the longer portion. I know that's hard on my husband too, that he yeah. doesn't get to bond with the baby yeah. the same way that I got to. Yes. I mean, I gave yeah. birth. So, you no know. Kidding. Well, and you're yeah. breastfeeding. Did you breastfeed? Yeah. Yeah. I did for my second one, not the first one. But yeah. yeah. So, you know, even after I went back to work, I was pumping at work. I was still yeah. breastfeeding. That's a whole but thing too. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. And did you experience any... um postpartum depression, anxiety, things like that? I did with my first one because my delivery, oops, sorry. Don't I have worry. a 1111 uh, alarm on my clock oh, every day. I love that. I but always catch I, it. I, I always just catch it. I used like to thing. keep missing it. So I have it now because it's just like a boost of positivity yes. at that time of the day for me. I'm like, I get to make a wish. I love um, that. After my first child, like my birth did not go the way I planned it. I was in labor for over 30 hours. Oh, I had wow. contractions over six to seven minutes long. Oh, honey. And my midwife won't believe me at first because it's just unheard of until I went to the hospital and they hooked me up and they were shocked that these contractions really were lasting, you know, five to six, six to five minutes oh, long. Oh my God, that is long. It was so long. Um, they ended up having to break my water. They ended up having to induce me. And then um, my firstborn's heart rate was fluctuating up and down like crazy. They tried to stabilize it for 80 minutes. I ended up going into an emergency C-section. They couldn't do it with me awake. They had to put me under. Oh, Terry. And then I didn't see my child until 17 hours after he was born. Oh, my God, honey. And everybody got to see him before that. So everybody in the world got to see my, I had to be pointed out who my child is. Like people were oh. offering me pictures and I said, I don't want to see a picture. And then, you know, I, I just envisioned having a natural birth. I envisioned my feet breastfeeding because it's so natural, which it isn't. It requires a lot of work. Yes, it does. Right? And I did not get introduced to breastfeeding because I was so sick um, until day three. Then he wouldn't latch. He was a 10 pound baby. Like he Mm. was a big boy Mm. and all of that basically set me up for the year, for the next two years of feeling less of a woman Mm. because the two things, you know, that society has told us that we're meant to do is give birth vaginally and be able to breastfeed your child. I couldn't do both those things. Mm. And I didn't see my child until 17 hours later. Mm. So I suffered in a way that I wasn't like, it was, you know, depression looks different for everybody. That was major PTSD for me. I did, it took me the birth of my second child, which was another crazy experience, but just kind of going through it and realizing that these things are just out of my control Yeah, and I did what I could Yeah, and this is just how it's meant to be. It took me all of that to start, come to terms with it. 
Yeah, and I I have to say I've heard that not not your exact story, but versions of that mm-hmm. so many times, you know, on the show, but also in person. Like there's this, it's this unwritten pressure to just, you know, I, a couple of weeks ago, my friend Lily was on the show and she had a similar experience where she had thought her mm-hmm. first birth would be this, uh, birthing her first child would be this. She was joking, like, I thought I would just go in the woods and squat and I would give birth and then I would clean up after myself and he would latch on and we would walk off into the sunset. (laughs) And like, you know, I feel, and I just have to say this, I feel like there's a real, and this is, I think, pretty universal in the medical community and maybe even in the midwife, I just feel like there's not enough aftercare for the mental maternal health. Yeah of both parents or, you know, however many parents are involved, you know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. there just isn't, it's kind of just like, okay, you know, you're medically check out, you're fine. Your baby checks out. Bye. That's it. There's nothing like, there's no like social worker that I'm just inventing what I would wish I would have had that comes to your house and says, Hey, just wanted to check. Like, how are you feeling? Are you eating? Are you sleeping? Like, you know, this is a lot huge. This is like the most massive transition you're ever going to have in your life. Absolutely. I mean, everything changes no matter what people tell you. Nobody can prepare you for what you go through. Yeah. The other thing is like, yeah, there's conversations around it. And if you are willing and able to recognize on your own yeah, what the is, signs are, it's yeah. not going to happen. No. So I think medical practice when people practitioners need to be able to probe yes. and see the signs. You don't have to be a therapist, but you they need to go through some training where yes. they can probe and see the signs without the parents coming forward and saying, I think I'm going for this. Yes. Because half the time we don't know until you get out of it and then you come to terms and you reflect. Absolutely. And you realize this is what you went through. Absolutely. That's a big gap. I mean, I don't know how it is over there. I remember in the hospital in my early stages of pregnancy, I had to fill out a form that said, was this a forced pregnancy? Do you have support? Is your partner supportive? You know, just to check boxes. Interesting. They took it and filed it that. away. Yeah. yeah. They, they probably never looked at it. It's just, it's just uh, like Protocol. Google something. Yeah. No, it's so true. And, and I think you're right. I think there's something where it just, yeah, I just wish I would have had more support. And, and, and because I, I, again, I had this idea that I just had to, I was supposed to be just this blissed out mom, just like, oh, everything's easy. And, you know, and it, it, that was just the opposite of my experience. I was just absolutely terrified every moment. I was for sure he was going to die. I was for sure he was going to die in his sleep or I was going to do something wrong or yeah, just constant anxiety and fear and then add the fatigue on top of it. No, I know there's just, there's no, um, the only thing they showed me was they, I think they made me sign something or it said, don't shake your baby. <laughs> and I, I remember they gave me this pamphlet. It was like, don't shake your baby. And it showed like, drawings of someone shaking a baby and what it could do to the baby and the damage. And I'm and I thought, Oh, who would shake their baby? And, yeah. and then I got home and I thought, I know why they gave me that, but I didn't, <laughs> I needed so much more support than there just was, a pamphlet yeah. that said, don't shake your baby. Yeah. They you need know. to upgrade the books. They need to upgrade the knowledge. I think as a community of moms, we have done a better job do at being vocal. Right. However, there needs to be a step up that's required from the medical community. Yes. And that's still really lacking. 
So all this conversation is great. But as a new mom, someone who's going through pregnancy for the first time, I'm not sure if I'm looking for those sources. I'm looking for what's happening in my first, second, third, fourth month. And what's the size of the baby? You know, you're focused so much on those things. Yes. Do I know how to reach out and find the right help for my mental health? Am I even thinking about it? No. Probably not. Yeah. And then eventually these moms, after you go through your first pregnancy, you become a mom. Then you stumble upon these communities because now you're connecting with people who are already parents and not moms-to-be. Yes. So that's when you start learning about it. And that needs to change and it needs to start from the medical community. Yes. I 100% agree. I 100% agree. And I don't know what we can do to help spearhead that, but um, if anybody knows, please reach out to me and I'm behind it 100%. I think it's it's crucial. And just to, to... to your point of like, you're not looking for that. I'm someone who's in recovery. You know, I'm sober, you know, 20, coming up on 21 years. And so I know how to reach out for help. I've been in therapy. I know all that. And I still didn't recognize what was happening to me. Yeah, I thought it was me. I thought I was lacking. I thought something was deficient in me. And so that says a lot to me that, you know, and I have friends also who are therapists and in the medical community and they went through it and didn't immediately go for help. You just don't, it just should be like sort of a mandated, you know, mental health check on, on new moms. So absolutely. I don't know when, when or if that's going to happen. So, okay. So you, uh, you went through a lot with both the, the, both of the birth, the births yeah. of both your children mm-hmm. while maintaining a marriage, while maintaining a career. Yeah. And then, um, how old are your kids now? Six and four. Six and four. Yeah. They're still really little. You're they're still, still in little. It. But yeah. you know what? They're at the stage now where I can finally yes. get my independence back. It's so oh, yes. good. They're both going to the bathroom by themselves yes. like that. Just not having to wipe a butt. Oh my it's God. a huge deal. Yeah. This summer has probably been one of the best summers since I've had kids. Because, oh. you know, every summer I've been focused on kids. But this yeah. summer I focus on me too. I took uh, girls trips. I had lots of girls night out. Yes. You know, my husband and I had nights out without the kids. And, yeah. you know, it was a good blend. It's not like that's all I did. But it yeah. was nice to have your own freedom and be your own person. Oh yeah. 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 It's crucial. It's crucial. So important. Really. Otherwise it's just the, the alternative is, um, is pretty bleak. I mean, Mm -hmm. for me, I'm just, I love my kid so much. He's actually in the other room laying on the couch because he's homesick today, but, um, I need time apart from him. And he needs it too. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Yeah. I think too Um, much time with anybody is not healthy, even by yourself. Yes. It's not, not healthy. Yes. Like I need, you know, the right amount of time with my husband, right amount of time by myself, with the kids, yes. friends, work, you know, that's all needed. Yes. And so how did, speaking of your husband, I know for me having a child, you know, obviously everyone knows who listens, or I think you do, if, unless this is your first episode, I'm, I'm divorced. Yes. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, th- having a baby really, really kind of for me, it really unveiled the cracks in our marriage. And we, we really tried so hard. We tried so hard. We tried so much therapy and so many things, but what, how did having kids shift and change your relationship with your husband? I think it changed it a lot in so many different ways. I mean, sexually it changed a lot, especially in the beginning where you kind of just focused on just staying alive and just keeping your child alive. And 
And when your time, I mean, we were the couple who all were very focused on date nights. We had date nights a lot. Even with our first child, we used to go on weekly date nights. And then when you brought the second one in, that changed because it's easy to ask my parents to watch one child. It's harder mm. to ask them to watch a newborn and a two-year-old. Yeah. So much harder. Yeah. And that took a toll on us because we forgot about us. We were more focused on the kids and just kind of going through the motions of just getting through the day, getting yeah. through the things, the things we had to do. And it was to the point where we both didn't see the signs for a very long time that our marriage was in trouble. Mm. And uh, eventually, I think it was me who got tired and I said, I can't do this. I mm. want a divorce. Mm. I'm done. I want to be separated. We went through a separation for over a year under the same roof, which is even harder. Mm. And, uh, you know, just look like, what does that look like a separation, but living under the same roof? What are the rules around that? So if I can ask, we don't have sex. Well, we did sometimes, but you know, (laughs) we're not sleeping in the same bed. We're kind of not having dinners together or anything. We're there together for the kids, but our conversation was really cut off. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't that something we had to force. We just didn't do it because if we did, we'd just fight or Mm -hmm. someone's getting hurt. And uh, our working hours were separate, like different. So, you know, it was easier that we didn't have to see each other as often. So you were like roommates. Roommates. Who who ran a business of having children together. And that's exactly how I described it to him when we went through the initial conversation. I said, we've become roommates who pay bills and have to take care of two kids together. Like this is what our relationship has come down to. And it was really hard because I was convinced like this is it. Mm. I cannot do this where else he wanted to try. He wanted to step up his game and really be there for us and the kids and at home, really be present. And then I don't know what it was. I went to Tanzania for work. I was gone for three weeks. I had like a full break from everybody, no contact, nothing. And then I came back and I said, and this was just last, not this summer, but the summer before. Yeah. I came back and I said, I want to try and I want to make this work. And he was obviously all game for it. And the other thing that changed for me was, I think that was the first time I decided since being married that I'm going to start living for myself. Mm. I need to put me first. I think in the process, when you're so busy taking care of kids and as women, we've been trained by society to take care of the husband and the household. We're the kin keepers. We're doing so much. I think I was so absorbed in living in his world and the kid's world where I forgot about myself completely. And I took that back and said, I'm not going to live my life that way. I'm going to put me first and it's going to benefit the kids. It's going to benefit the the family is going to benefit him. I started a podcast. I decided to start a podcast after it came back. Yeah. All of those things happened where I really took control of me yeah. again. And I think that was a pivotal moment for us where we yeah. both encourage each other to live for ourselves mm. first. Mm. So that was, that was key, but that was a hard year. Yeah. It was a brutal year of just yeah. trying to be out of it, but still be in it. And in yeah. Canada, you have to be separated for a full year in different houses before you can file for divorce. Interesting. Yeah. So we knew that even if we just separated and moved out, yeah, we'd still have to wait another year. Yeah. 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 Wow. You guys, you guys have a lot of really great stuff. (laughs) I mean, like the year maternity leave. I know. I mean, that's really smart. But yeah, and weed is well, weed's legal in Canada, California too, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
It's legal in all of Canada, though, right? Yes, it's all of Canada. You can actually smoke it the way you smoke cigarettes. So if cigarettes are allowed somewhere, or vaping is allowed somewhere, you can smoke weed there. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, even though I don't smoke weed, but I, I do believe in, in, uh, the, it's funny. I don't usually talk about this on the show, but (laughs) I do, I don't talk about like politics or anything like that, but, um, yeah, it's just the medicinal qualities of it. And, and there's just so much research out there that it it should, it should just be legal everywhere. It's silly. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So you guys worked that out and now how how are things now i think this is a great we go through ups and downs where we need to kind of really remind ourselves i mean just a few months ago we went through ups and downs again and i think it's anytime there's a major change in Mm. my life or his life that's when the downs happen Mm. and i think that's really natural i mean a few months about in april i started a new job i was away from home a lot and I was always tired. I was missing my family. I'm trying to maintain myself. And that's where it went straight down because I felt alone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we've been able to recognize that when we feel alone, we're still trying to figure out how to be there for each other mm-hmm. and without being overbearing. But overall, the relationship's really good. I mean, we're still going to fight. Yeah. I'm sure we might try to get divorced again in 10 years from now. I mean, <laughs> you know, like no relationship is perfect. Yeah. And it's really good in the sense that we're able to talk about it and we're yeah. able to be vocal about the fact that we've had problems. Yeah. And the biggest learning that we've had from all of this has been that, you know, society is designed, has the way it's designed for marriages is that it doesn't allow you to grow through setbacks. Mm. And that's why we don't vocalize these things that often, because if there's something about signing those, that piece of paper when you're married, I mean, before that, when you have problems with your partner, you're more likely to vocalize it. Oh my God, like he's getting on my nerves. We're not getting along. Mm. This is too much. But when you sign that piece of paper, society expects things to be perfect. Mm. So you stop vocalizing your problems, but problems are like a perfectly normal part of having any relationship, whether it's a work relationship, a friendship or a sexual love relationship, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing that we recognize is that we're going to grow through the setbacks. Yeah. As long as we want to work on it. It's so true. And it's just, I don't know what that is. It it again goes back to this idea, like with giving birth and having a baby, that it's just supposed to be easy and, you know, without any hiccups. And like, I just, that's not true of any person on earth <laughs> like it just you know maybe in the disney movie but even those guys yeah, have like yeah. the poison apple or the little things that come in yeah but that's where everything ends they're right happily ever after yeah. they get together the kiss and it's done and yeah. that's how it's supposed to be yeah you're not supposed to vocalize your problems you're not right. supposed to have problems that's right. the problem here yeah you can't talk about it <laughs> you can't talk about it yeah. and like marriage is not a finish line it's just the beginning yeah. of your next journey Yes. And it's going to look different for everyone. You're going to have ups and downs. How could you not? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. You live under the roof with another person. You're going to want to kill them. Like, (laughs) kids included. (laughs) I love it. It's true. It's so true. It's so true. Too much time getting around it. Yeah. 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 But overall, we're in such a good place. Like, it's a lot of support. 
And, uh, you know, there's like, we're constantly have lessons to learn. We're in a really good place sexually, you know, so that's really critical Mm. for us at least is having that sexual compatibility. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and for me to be able to live like, cause I'm really outgoing, I'm super social and he's an introvert. Mm. So if I can't do those things and go out and have girls nights and have my own time and have my passions, passion projects, I'm going to be miserable, which is going to make him miserable. Yeah. So he's really good at accommodating that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you're accommodating what, what he needs as well. Like, yeah. You know, he's not going to go with you or, you know, all the time and yeah, for you know, sure. he, he wants to stay home and that's okay. So you're going to go like yeah. fly and do your thing. I yeah. love that. But you know what? He's like starting to be a little more spontaneous because normally oh. it takes him a lot to make a decision and he knows I love concerts and, you know, I think the summer he just told me, he's like, oh, I bought tickets. We're going to go see Bush and Live and ah! Our Lady Peace. And we just ah! saw them like this this weekend. Oh, but that's fun. something he wouldn't have done. Like he would have oh. thought about it for a while. It's like, maybe do we go? Like, what are all the things that are going to be in our way? But he's like, mm. I'm going to be spontaneous like you because you enjoy this. So mm. yeah, that was so good. I was so proud of him. <laughs> I love that. That's yeah. so sweet. That's yeah. really sweet. And he's like listening to what it is that your heart desires. That's yeah. great. Yeah. And and how's the new job acclimation? Do you feel? Oh my God. Love it. Yay. It's so good. good. I'm in my element. I'm very, I'm very strategic. I'm, I'm a strategic consulting position and I'm a highly strategic person. Just, I always think about things and how to make a business grow. And mm-hmm. this is what I'm doing. I'm in my element and he sees it. He's like, I see you. I see how much you love this job and I hope mm-hmm. you stay here for a while. Oh. So it's really exciting. That's so awesome, honey. Congratulations. Really cool. Thank you. And more podcasting. You're, yes. you're, you're going to keep oh. on with the show. The show is so great. You guys go follow Thank her you. at Mom Like That. Everything will be in the show notes as well, but yes. you guys need to follow her and subscribe to her show as well. She has amazing guests and they have really fun talks. And my episode is in there. Yes. You can yes. look mine up. Um, for sure. And um, my podcast is going through some rebranding. In September, we're relaunching October and I'm starting a mini drinking game series. So (gasps) I'm just having mini episodes every two weeks where I get mom together. Like (laughs) we drink and we play drinking games. So I'm so excited. You have to come back for that if you like to drink. Oh my God. Well, I don't drink, but I could play the games, but I don't don't drink. But but I'll listen in for sure. That sounds like a lot of fun. So Terry, we've come to the time when I ask the questions. I ask three questions. I ask every guest and then we go into a lightning round of questions. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. What do you think about Terry when you hear the word MILF? Oh my God. I, okay, for me, the MILF is someone who is in control of her life, but also recognizing that it's okay to be out of control. Like I'm kind of a hot mess kind of person, but also I have it every, everything I can figure out, figured out. And it's just about being confident and, Mm. and embracing yourself and embracing the good, like, you know, being confident in who you are, whether it's your flaws or is it things that you love about yourself and really owning all of that? That's mm. really how I see it. Mm, I love that. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? How I see my body. Oh, yeah. say more. Okay. So before I had kids, I was a size zero. I barely weighed 95 pounds, but I had big boobs. You know, I didn't have to work so hard on myself. It just came naturally. Yeah. And I had this vision. I had this dress I had picked out. It's an extra small bondage dress from Marciano. I bought it 
and it was hanging in my closet. I said, I'm going to wear this on my birthday. I get birth in May, mm-hmm. and I thought I was going to wear it on my birthday in July. Mm-hmm. So that didn't happen. <laughs> and I'm a completely different size. I'm a size four, sometimes size six, and I've really struggled with my body over mm-hmm. the years. Mm-hmm. And now I finally have confidence in it. A, I look hot as hell when I wear yeah, clothes. Yeah. I mean, when I don't wear clothes, my husband's watching me and he loves it. So, you know, I could obviously work more on my confidence naked. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like just I see my body more as a sexy body mm-hmm. as opposed to all the insecurities I used to have with it. Oh, that is awesome. Amen, sister. Congratulations thank on you. that. Thank we need you. more and more and more of that. And you are super hot. You oh, are, thank you. You're gorgeous. How do you define success? I think just being happy in the passions you're fulfilling. Like mm. going for your passions and finding happiness in it. And if it doesn't make you happy, don't go for it. I don't think success is a title or how much money you make, but it's your passion projects and you just watching them grow and mm. just loving doing them. Lightning round. Ocean or desert? Ocean. Favorite junk food? Oh my God. Popcorn. <laughs> Movies or Broadway show? Movies. Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Damn it, this is hard. Daytime sex. <laughs> daytime sex. You could say both. I know. It's actually both. Nighttime okay. sex is normally drunk, so I'm like, how do I? <laughs> uh, I can't. Did I ask this? I don't know. Texting or talking? Oh, talking. Mm. Cat person or dog person? Dog. Have you ever worn a unitard? What's a unitard? It's that thing that dancers generally wear, but, but people wear them out. It's like from, it's like elastic. It's like a leotard, but it <gasps> oh, has okay, legs. Okay. It's a leotard yeah, with legs. I've totally worn that. Okay. I have many that I wear around the house. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Shower or bathtub? Shower. Ice cream or chocolate? Chocolate. On a scale of one to 10, how good are you at ping pong? Oh my God. Like six. What's your biggest pet peeve? When people don't take ownership of accountability of things. Can't stand it. Yeah. If you could push a button and it would create 10 years of world peace, but it would also place a hundred year ban on all beauty products, would you push it? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Superpower choice, invisibility, ability to fly or super strength. Ability to fly. Would you rather have six fingers on both hands or a belly button that looks like foreskin? My probably does look like foreskin, so <laughs> let's just go with that. I get that answer all the time. That's so funny. <laughs> what was the name of your first pet? Oh, Fluffy. It was a what? rabbit I stole from school. Oh, you did? <laughs> did you have to give it back? I did. <laughs> I how, I did you, how did you smuggle it out? Um, I came prepared. I brought a box <laughs> from home, like a shoe box. I had like grass and everything. <laughs> And you planned like, it. You planned, planned it. it. <laughs> and then I told my parents that it's because I'm such a good student. They told me I could keep it. And Stop they didn't it. even question it. It was Stop so believable. It. <laughs> it was so believable. <laughs> how did you get caught? How did you, how did they, they find knew out? I took it home. They saw me take it home. They kept telling me to bring it back. And eventually I had to bring it back. <laughs> how long did you keep it? I think probably like in my head right now, it seems like months. But it was probably a couple of weeks. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. Fluffy. Fluffy. Oh, he had a good time though at your house. I know he was well cared for. Yeah, he was. <laughs> and what was the name of the street you grew up on? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I didn't have a. Okay. I'll tell you the street in Houston, I guess. What was it? Riverbend South. Because I don't know the street name from Pakistan. So you're... Poor name is Fluffy Riverbend. 
Oh my God, I like that. I might be really bendy. (laughs) That's great. You're bendy and wet like a river. Seriously. (laughs) Like a fluffy river. I'm squirting out a river. (laughs) Oh my God, Terry, I just adore you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. This was so much fun. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Terry. Join me next week when I have... Christine Sarno on the show, Christine Joy Luck Sarno, who is one of the sexiest women I've ever laid eyes on, truly. And when I came to her house, she had a beautiful charcuterie and cheese plate for me. Hi. Yeah, I kind of didn't ever want to leave. Remember to go to clutchgifts.com, check it out. And when you go to checkout in your checkout cart, it's a lot of checkouts. Use your VIP code MILF15 for 15% off. I love you guys so much. Thanks for listening.